Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. All right, everybody, welcome back. Army opens against ULM and the NFL Network. Is that a sign of things to come? Pat Fitzgerald gets fired for hazing. Who else is on the bubble in 2023 season? The SEC dumps conferences for 2024. The offseason is crazy, and we are closing in on the start of college football. Unbelievable. Like, just blinked, and it was like 90 days to go, and now we're halfway there. <laughs> What's up, Trash Talkers? Welcome back to the College Football Roundtable. If you prefer, we'll just call it Ring Knocker Radio. I'm your host, Rob, in North Carolina. Fort Bragg House. Beautiful. <laughs> Dano E. Cabeza, call it out of coastal Connecticut. Sun's out, Joe. guns out, baby. <laughs> we got Trigger Joe right. from the home of the big house. What's up, guys? How are we doing? <laughs> uh, never better, man. I-, I just got out of the water like literally 10 minutes ago, so you guys are going to have to carry me for about another yeah. five. I'm going to steal a line, but I never thought we'd be talking Northwestern football for a full week in July. I can say that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's, That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome back. This is College Football Roundtable. For those of you that don't know, this is an off-season show. But during the season, this is where we dive into college football and the broader audience. We talk about service academies a lot because we want to showcase them to an audience that may or may not see them or watch the games. But for the most part, this is where we talk about college football writ large and have a wider discussion. There's some interesting topics going on. I mean, college football is insane. I don't know if you've seen it. There's a guy that does a, a college mascot intros, and he talks about, like, the meeting of when they come up with the, the the college mascots. Pretty funny. That's good. And, of course, the SEC shorts have already started kicking in, particularly with them complaining about losing uh, their conferences. But we'll dive into that a little bit later in the show. But without further ado, we'll kick it over to Dan so we can pay some bills. Yo, man, uh, this this broadcast is brought to you by Craig Oxane, VP of Residential Lender, uh, Residential Lending for Draper and Kramer in Chicago. Been doing this with us for a while now. For now, geez, I cannot talk. Good Lord. Uh, Craig is a member of the West Point class of 1994, licensed to lend in all 50 states based out of Chicago. Friends, he is one of the biggest VA lenders in the country. He's going to give you the best deal he can, uh, super competitive rates. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but like mortgage stuff is crazy right now. Super confusing. Interest rates moving all over the place. Now is not the time to deal with some clown that's just trying to make a buck off you. Like deal with somebody who is actually an honest person who cares about you, who's going to treat you like a person. That's a member of the West Point Network, Craig Oxane. Uh, this is actually how the West Point Network functions. Like Craig is here helping us stay in business at Azure Football. And we are trying to help you find him and get the best deal on a mortgage that you possibly can. Plus, Craig does not charge lending fees for veterans. So true for Navy vets, even Air Force vets, definitely for Army vets. That's a $1,300 savings. Yo, if $1,300 is not a lot of money to you, send it to me. I got two kids going to college. I can use that money. So VP of Residential Lending, Craig Oxane. His link is on our website, asforfootball.com. Click on it. Fill out a little form. You'll be talking to him in less than a couple of hours. Easy peasy. Thanks, Rob. Awesome. That's great. And Craig, again, big fan of the show. He's also a Army football alum, and so he has a lot of insight, and we talk to him quite a bit. But speaking of Army football, we'll talk about service academies really, really quick. Army uh, just had a horrible weather scare 
over yeah. the past weekend. Like Pretty bad deal. Yeah, if you didn't see that, like, I mean, and it's all over the country right now, but West Point got hit too with uh, basically three or four days uh, or three or four months of rain in less than the 24-hour period. So there's some huge washouts, some impacts on the academy and the local community. So uh, keep an eye out on them and uh, keep them in your thoughts and prayers uh, because they are going through a trying time. And, of course, it couldn't happen uh, to a crazier time right after Beast Barrack starts to fill out because that summer training is starting to happen, and then they get this giant flood. So Imagine being out in the field for your first time ever, like out in a, a freaking uh, shelter halves. Yeah. And you get 10 inches of rain. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome yeah, to the pe- Army kid. People that don't understand how devastating a flood is have never experienced one. Yeah. It's That's like a true. fire. It really is. It, it, it destroys whatever it hits. Yeah. And yeah. so just, yeah, yeah. just keep, those, keep those folks in your, in your prayers, man. Yep. I, I mean, no joke. Uh, Air Force Academy. Let's talk about this. So Air Force had eight hit the transfer portal. And uh, the most notable one is the second year starter, Michael Mack. He entered the porter, portal in mid-June. Hazik Daniels, like, I don't understand this. Like, I, I know that there's a note in there that says he graduated and Air Force let him transfer for a year to get a master's degree. Like, shouldn't that guy be doing something, like, in the Air Force? <laughs> Just a thought, you know. <laughs> like, may, maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, still, I, I think it's super lame. It's just another reason not to like the Air Force Academy. Someday they'll grow up and, and like, actually have some heroes. Uh, Navy, really only big thing that happened to them is uh, running back uh, Mikhail Haywood. Uh, transferred and he's now at App State. So he's in uh, good old Boone, North Carolina, playing some football there. It's a big Again, loss for them, though. He's a good player. Yeah. yeah. I think the transfer portal really helps most schools, but if people transfer out at the academy, it's going to hurt them pretty badly because, you know, just the difficulty of recruiting those skill positions year after year. But, uh, Let's talk about some coaches and then let's talk about Northwestern. So like the big news this week, I think everybody is tracking it, right? Is that, uh, Pat Fitzgerald got the boot and, uh, it's a mid hazing. There's some crazy stuff. And it's, you know, bottom line, the quote in the headline was like, it's widespread amongst us. And so that means it's a systemic thing across the, the organization. And again, we all know how crazy that is, but you know, Joe, you're the big 10 expert here. So, so kind of what are your thoughts? on the the shenanigans Uh, at Northwestern. I mean, you talk about chopping a program's legs off, you know, Northwestern, and this is coming from a Michigan fan my whole life. And, uh, you know, we've always looked at them as an academic stalwart and and, and a institution that if you got a degree from there, you have a global degree. So they're, and they're, they don't take prop 48 students. They, they, they're one of those programs. You got to get the grades to be, so they're already handicapped um, in a way that say Alabama isn't, um, in several ways, but also by academic standards, they can't afford this. This is the uh, prodigal son. This is the firing of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, if it ever happened. Pat Fitzgerald is their Jim Harbaugh. He's possibly one of the best players ever come out of there. He is the best coach to ever coach there as far as wins go. And I know that some people um, think he's the, you know, the, the brunt of the problem. I disagree. Um, but it's that it's the it's a culture thing that we're in now where you've got how many how many transfers could you possibly have on your on, on your roster uh i mean just a ballpark i mean is it out of uh context to say you could have a couple dozen i mean and that, that kid has a and that kid has a bad experience and he leaves and he doesn't like the culture of your program well guess what he doesn't have any loyalty to your university he's only been there for a cup of coffee so like these kids are transferring in, and if you think that we're going to play by the good old boy system where, uh, mm. say, a, a gay player feels unwelcome or a black player feels like he can't be 
um, black and that has been spoken. And I'm not saying I'm not lending truth or falsehood to any of this, but I'm saying if those players feel that way, you make a, a hell of a lot more money than I had did to be PC. And if you're te- if you're telling me that you can't get it right and you didn't you don't you don't have that luxury at that kind of salary, coach, to say I didn't see it or or and, and I, that I don't believe. You know, there's the tr- there's this side, that side, and somewhere in the middle is the truth. I don't believe Passfield Fitzgerald didn't know there was any hazing. I'm sure he had no clue to the extent. I don't think he's a horrible human being, but I do think that where he should have taken, he probably phoned it in and said, you know, let the team handle it. And unfortunately, that's what happens when you're playing with a loaded weapon like that and trusting your family's financial security and your future and reputation professionally to the hands of a bunch of seniors who might have had a bad game or might have had a bad night. And, you know, you guys play, you guys were college athletes or college level, I know you went through something like that. I mean, I'm a veteran of the 82nd Airborne. We we all saw hazing of some sort. But when you're pushing a boundary and you're pushing a line and you're breaking the guy down and damaging him or, or traumatizing him, and some of us are softer than others. It's just the way it is. Some of us get our feelings hurt worse than others. You know, but if, if you're uh, emasculating a guy like that and, and, yeah. and you know, take, yeah. taking his – taking his uh, manhood in front of everybody and just eviscerating it by humiliating him. You know, those kind of things have reverberating effects with a kid who just got done with puberty. You know, yeah. some sometimes they speak before they think. And maybe I go talk to a reporter tomorrow. You know, yeah. I, I, I there was there was male nude nudeness in it and it made me uncomfortable. Now I want to transfer because yeah. I'm not going to play next year. And maybe I'm just saying, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Hypothetically. You know, you, you've got kids coming in and out of your program that weren't in love with Northwestern when they wanted to play theirs. You have to be right. You have to have it dialed in and reined in and your players in check. You think Deion Sanders doesn't know what's going on at his university? I bet he does. <laughs> yeah. And I guarantee you, if Colorado came in the paper and they were out in the paper, that's not old, that's not. If Colorado was on the, on Sports Center for all these violations next year, it would be Deion's fault. And he'd probably lose his coaching stripes over it, and it'd be a long time before he got a job again. You know, everybody's got to play by the same rules is kind of what I'm saying. It doesn't matter how long you've been there, if you're the prodigal son, whatever, because you've got players coming in who are new to the system, and maybe they don't like the kind of music you're playing. So, you know, that's just my two cents. That and and Northwestern is now a power five school with a president who doesn't necessarily support the football team or otherwise he would have made this decision after two weeks not after three days and then again after another week um so i don't think it's real important to him what happens this season so do you want that job yeah i don't think i, I don't I think don't. anybody wants to well, that, ed, ed orgeron ogeron the guy from lsu yeah. i know i just crushed his name he supposedly wants that job so i think they can probably hire somebody but it's uh you know what the 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 papers that the press has said you know this is borderline ritualistic uh, sexual humiliation like that's that's pretty bad i mean what they described obviously we're all going to take it differently but what they described sounded pretty bad um you yeah. know we we talked about this like we got hazed on our way back from our first away meet right like basically the upperclassmen came to the back of the bus and they beat up all the plebes and they turned their, their class rings around and they stamped their class crests into our forehead like that was hazing and like it doesn't piss me off that we got punched because like it's west point we had plebe boxing we had wrestling 
close quarters combat, sawdust pits, bugle sticks, like you're going to get smacked around. You know what I'm saying? Like they're actively trying to teach you to take a beating. That is okay. But what pisses me off about it, like like more so now than than back then, is just, hey, I'm I'm somehow not part of the team. Like I won my event that day. And now you're going to tell me that I'm a freshman, even though I just won my event. I'm not part of the team until you beat me up. Like, how about I take back my nine points and you can take the L? Does that sound fun? Mm-hmm. You know, let's do it that way then. And, and you know, the guys who were doing the, bo- the most punching, frankly, weren't the best swimmers. You know, it's just like you got one guy on the team who's kind of a sadist. And, and I don't, it's not like I hate the guy. Like, we got along in other contexts. But, yo, my man liked to hurt people. And he would hit you a lot. Like just, you know, he just, he just pop you. And then this is one of those cases where they let him off the chain and my man went a little wild, you know, and I would be willing to bet that it's something like that at Northwestern. Like probably some of it was meant to be brotherly. And, and even there's dudes on the team that, that punched me that that seemed like a brotherly thing and it was bonding. And like, I can, I can get my head around that. But when it's just a guy, you can always tell when it's just somebody that just wants to F you up like that. I don't need that. And I don't need that from my teammates. And I especially didn't need that at West Point where like people come in after you all the time for every goddamn thing. And now I got to get my own teammates beating me up. Like, come on, man. Anyway, you're polishing your soap for crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like (laughs) bonding rituals are okay within context, even the ones that suck. But, you know, to just let the sadists run wild within the organization, like that is that's where you got to police it. And I, you know, I wasn't in Northwestern and I don't know exactly what happened, but somewhere between you know, naked car washes and, and getting real funky that coaching staff needed to step in. And just as long as we're sort of on this subject, let me just say uh, our coach Ray put a stop to this, either my cow or first a year. So like this was back in the nineties and he realized, you know, the world is moving on. We can't be doing this anymore. So um, some of this just like, yo, it's the 21st century. And, and that the car wash stuff, some of that was, was kind of disturbing. Yeah. Anyway, well, that's another thing is like if you're a booster or somebody who's contributing money yeah. to that program like how many games did you guys win last year you shouldn't even have hazing you like the seniors should be getting hazed <laughs> like you know and I, obviously i know that's not realistic but if you have a couple of seniors whose favorite part of the season is hazing get that yeah. off your team for yeah, sure they're and, and it's guaranteed that there's somebody you know yeah. and and i guarantee it's not the starting middle linebacker <laughs> Somebody exactly. on that team thinks, thinks thinks that that's the best part of the season. Yeah, and I guarantee like, it's not just rubbing back. his hands together trying to haze the professional running back at Michigan. He's trying yeah. to win a Heisman Trophy. Winners Absolutely. worry about winning. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, think, I, I think that that that's fair. You know, and and I could tell you, like being a, a a '50s guy, you know, at school was was interesting at best. You know, and Dan and I talked about it, but we used to do white tornadoes, right? So literally, a white tornado is you get every piece of food on the table you grab all the milk you grab anything that's basically white right and you make the guys and yeah it's kind of a haze but like when you're trying to cut weight if you got stuff coming out of both ends it actually helps you lose weight. it was actually it actually reinforced you know the torture that we were doing to ourselves doesn't make it you know doesn't make it any more or less right but it actually puts you you know it, it wasn't physical and you could always say no and you know yeah we'll look at you sideways we'll probably think that you know you're you're less than you know the right kind of man for the team. But at the end of the day, you know, there's good, clean fun. And then there's a, yeah, and, absolutely. And this clearly yeah. crosses over into the line of abuse. Like I think, you know, every college football program has something like this. I think anybody that's played any collective team sport 
has experienced it in some capacity, but it just depends on how bad it is, you know. I, and if I gotta be, yeah, I gotta be honest, Rob, I'd rather get punched a couple of times than have to do a white tornado. Personal preference. Yeah, like, dude, when like, when you drink like thirteen milks, yeah, just no, just no bueno. sock me in the gut and <laughs> and then the shoulder, and that'll be the end of it. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And moving on, so talked about some hazing, but. Speaking of hazing, Joe's going to haze somebody in the college football arena. So who is your Blue Falcon of the week? Oh, man, it's you know you can't take the spotlight off of Northwestern. Not that they need any more bad press. But, you know, in the beginning of the week, I was, I was feeling a little stronger about it than I am now. But I'm still going to roll with Michael Schiller, not for the reasons that everybody thinks. Yes, this is the president of uh, Northwestern University and not a football guy, obviously. But when he came out and said the suspension was my decision and my decision alone, and then he comes out and almost completely contradicts himself within two sentences by saying, after further reflection, the firing was also my decision and my decision alone. Um, I disagree. I think you got outvoted with, by somebody with a bigger wallet. Mm. And if your coach would have went nine and three last year, this might not have hit the paper. There I go with the papers again. Uh, this might not have hit the press the same way and it might not have been received by everybody else in the room that helped you decide to fire past Fitzgerald. It might not have been received the same way. So my whole thing is, you know, don't don't go out there and say, well, yes, this was my decision alone and I thought he needed to go because you thought he needed to be suspended for two weeks. Then you were educated, whether you educated yourself or everybody else came in for you. And then you decided I can't get away with that. So I have to fire him. So one of them was your decision. You can't have both. So I'm going to say that's my Blue Falcon just because I'm a football guy. And I know there's a lot of good seniors who are probably straight A students at a great academic university and, you know, scholar athletes who just had their senior season destroyed. Not saying Northwestern was going to be that great. They were 129th in returning production um, on a really bad team. So they were probably going to get thumped. And in the Big Ten, you know, if you're Purdue or Michigan State or Indiana or Illinois, you could go seven and four, you could go four and seven. That's just the way the big time rolls. Um, Northwestern is going to be in the dark ages for a while in the big time, um, at least four or five years. And I would say Ed Orgeron would be a humongous get for them. And if they could get him, hang on to him with both hands. Cause, uh, I mean, a big name hire at this point can't do anything to, to hurt you. Um, yeah, absolutely. but yeah, Michael Schill, you're my blue falcon of the week because Northwestern football is is on life support sir and it's not your fault but it wasn't your decision to fire pat we all know it yeah awesome yeah we're going to talk about some other coaches that are on the bubble but without looking at too deep into the outline let's think about uh dan who do you think is on on the bubble right now as a coach i mean there's some some sports writers that think some things but here's some other folks uh that are kind of so, in there so what are your thoughts yeah so i don't think brian newberry the new coach at navy is on the hot seat but like james uh from brigade review has, you know, he called me Saturday. I was in the grocery store and we talked about this for like 45 minutes while I'm looking for tomatoes. Um, he, he gave me this whole dissertation on why Navy really has this team that should win like at least eight or nine games and probably 10. So I'm going to say that if Brian Newberry and that Navy team can't win at least seven for sure, that that he's going to draw a lot of heat from that Navy fan base because if Coach Ken was still there, I think everyone would be looking for them to win 10 this season. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think a lot of people are looking at that. And I think, you know, and we talked about this in the off season at the end of the year, that's probably why Chet let him go. Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> because like, I can't fire a guy after he wins 10. And, and, and if you do like, wow. Okay. 
you know, just yeah. different different kind of perspective on football, I guess. Joe, what about you? Yeah, if you have a Navy team that people are expecting eight, nine wins out of, six and six ain't going to cut it. They can't just reload like Ohio State. You know, they, good teams are hard to find in the service academies. Um, I, I, I'm going to go with the easy one here and uh, say Neil Brown of West Virginia. You know, um, I, I'd say it's the hottest seat in college football. Um, three losing seasons out of the last four with back-to-back losing seasons. And, I mean, that's the only show in Morganton. There ain't nothing else going on on Saturday. And not winning back-to-back seasons ain't going to cut it with the locals. The natives are restless. And, uh, you know, uh, new AD Ren Baker, he, he, he chose to opt in and keep Neil Brown for the season. But I think after a slow start in Morganton, that could spell the end for Coach Brown. Um, they haven't had three losing seasons um, in 45 years Wow, in a row. Wow. Yeah, that's fair. Do you think he gets the axe earlier? Do you think they uh, ride it out for the season? I, I think if they, I think if they jump off to a to a two and four start or something like that, get a couple games under under five hundred inside of the first six, he could be in deep trouble. And I tell you, Jimbo Fisher would be an expensive uh, fire for Texas A and M to the tune of about seventy eighty million dollars. But if yeah, it, but if they lose, have another losing season in College Station, um, things could start to heat up down there. It's yeah. I, it's wild. That story for Texas A&M to me just blew me away because they brought in this top tier recruiting class. You know, they had all this NIL money behind them and then imploded. It's like, when's the hazing story coming out for Texas A&M? Like something is going on there. Yeah. I'd be yeah. curious to know. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's crazy. Like, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say these two coaches are on my list. One is uh, Ryan Day, because I think if he doesn't beat Michigan and make it into the playoff again, like with a clean O record, like people are going to be upset. Like, like there's two coaches in college football. It's the Ohio state coach, whoever it is. <laughs> I know you won't be Joe, but the Ohio state coach, whoever it is. And you know, Nick Saban, like if those guys don't have an O at the end of the season and they're not national champions, their fan base and their alumni are not happy. And so I think he's on the bubble. I don't think if, if, Ohio State doesn't beat Michigan this year. There's going to be some grumblings to get rid of. They're going to be playing that game right down the road, too. So it's going to be tough to win this year. Yeah, I I, I think he's got to come up here and do it. He's going to have some eyeballs on him. And I think Lincoln Riley, man, like USC spent way too much money to get him in. You've got a returning Heisman Trophy quarterback, right? So, like, there's no reason for them not to do well. And, oh, by the way, this is their last year to do it because if they're jumping over into the Big Ten, they're going to be taking some lumps big time next season. And so it's going to be very, very hard for them to, to, to keep it squared away. I think Lincoln Riley was hired to win a national championship at USC. I don't think he can. And he better figure that stuff out quick because he's got a $17.2 million mansion in California that he's got to pay for. And uh, that's not going to go so well if he's not winning. And again, he's got to figure out that the Big Ten slash Big 14 or whatever the hell we're going to yeah. call it next year <laughs> once they finish the conference realignment. <laughs> Yeah, but, bring uh, all your five stars to sunny Columbus in November and see how they like playing. That's just not going to work out well. But yeah. coaches in and trouble. Snow you and know. muck. Yeah, uh, Tom Allen from Indiana, Neil Brown as you mentioned from West Virginia. You got Danny Gonzalez at New Mexico. Dino Barber's at Syracuse. That's going to be interesting. I think Jimbo Fisher of all these guys is the one to really watch because there's just way too much money behind. at uh, Texas A&M. Got Butch Jones at Arkansas State, Arkansas State, and then you got Mike Bloomgren at Rice. All these folks are kind of teetering on the verge of, you know, if their season is good, they might make it. If it's not, they might be bad. And then is Iowa going to make Kirk retire without another good season? I think that's a good question. 
I'm, I don't know, guys. What do you think? They that, need to hire an offensive offense. coordinator. My God. I mean, how do you, how do you have a defense that good and you absolutely can't do anything with it? It's just, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your say- defense was good enough for the Lions to blow another draft pick on a middle linebacker that should have been a third round pick. Good job, Detroit. It's like drafting <laughs> Boss Bailey over Clinton Curtis. Or, or, or Joey Harrington over Julius Peppers. Same draft they did that in. Same draft. Yeah. But, um, Anyways, no, I mean they're they're I mean their their defense was phenomenal. Their offense, my God, I think Ambien takes their offense when it wants to go to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, hey, moving on. So, hey, Buyer Barn, we got a sponsor here at Ask for Football Buyer Barn. Hopefully, they'll re up this. Year. We're hoping that they do. Uh, Buyer Barn was founded by Dan Robinson and his uh, co-founder Dino. Buyer Barn provides uh, reduced health issues by reducing animal and owner contact, reduce animal fraud through a buyer seller rating system. They are fully integrated with an auction platform with you can buy uh, and sell at convenience, which is at your time, and you get better market pricing because you can reach a wider audience. Uh, buyer Barn is dedicated to helping small farmers in America and are providing a special discount to military veterans who want to assist them in the small family farm auction. Go to buyerbarn.com or go to the Ask for Football website click on the banner and you will get all the information that you we are still looking to do the goat roast i think it'll be pretty cold hopefully we can have an open flame at <laughs> at the stadium roaring roaring open flame <laughs> so we don't die of frostbite yeah because ah. that's i think army navy is going to be a cold one this year and a open flame on a goat roast is not a bad idea tickets sold out fast i don't even know if all the members of the a club got a chance to buy tickets they went fast yeah I, well it's a Different venue, but you know, and, and there's so many people that want to go to the house that Brady built mm. that, uh, it's, it's not a bad idea. Like the fact that Army is going, Army Navy is bouncing between all these different stadiums at first. It's kind of like, uh, well, I'm kind of a, you know, a purist and say like it just needs to be in, you know, Jersey or Philly, but the, the traveling road show is actually better for football and it gets the eyeballs on them and, and, yeah. it, and it helps both schools. Yeah, so I can't really true. complain. So let's talk about, yeah. uh, <laughs> SEC with no division. I think it's going to happen in more than just the SEC, but I think that's a big thing. Joe, what are your thoughts on like the massive mega conferences? Do you think that, uh, you think this is the way of the future? Are we getting rid of conferences or are we just going to, you know, toss you know, I think for the best. I think it's, I think it's probably a little bit of all, you know, I think that the, uh, whether it's the way of the future, excuse me, whether it's the way it should be or the way of the future, I think it's the way we're going. Um, and right now, I think the Florida Gators are just having nightmares every single night. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute, we can't win the e- we can't win the East and just go get thumped by Alabama. No more runner-up <laughs> games for us, huh? What do we do? Um, but I like it for the SEC. I really do. Um, you know, because and, and I would like it for the Big Ten as well because I feel like the Big Ten kind of gets left out of yeah. how lopsided conferences are. Yeah. Like, they want to talk about the SEC West. Look at the Big Ten East compared to the Big Ten West. It's staggering how you can have Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan all on one side of that conference. When those came out, Wisconsin was like, hey, thanks a lot, Big Ten. I don't know what we did to deserve that, but we'll see you at the next 10 championship games (laughs) once we beat beat Indiana. Like, it's like, are you kidding me? Um, So, yeah, there's going to be some people that don't like it, but the the people that do like it are are looking for – you know, some separation, some clarity. Where's our, who's, who's the real champion? Or did you just avoid us by playing in that division? So I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm excited to see it. And I, I can't wait to see UCLA and USC come into the Big Ten like a tornado that was going to 
roll through a trailer park in Kansas, just like Penn State and just like Nebraska, except they didn't. Because when you got to play, when you got to play Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan in the same month, guys get dinged up. You're not going to play yeah. that with all the same players. And it, 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 you know, injuries. Every time someone talks about injuries, I, I, I love throwing back. Look at everyone's injury injury roster, and if or if you can give me one team that's got a zero, um, you know, figure out what that guy's feeding them and and go with that. But everybody deals with injuries, so everybody's banged up at the end of the season. Um, and if you're playing in the Big Ten, it's no one's going to steamroll through the Big Ten, and I think that's pretty evident now. Um, yeah. I think they'd have just as good a chance at going to the championship game in the SEC as they would in the Big Ten. Now, maybe they're not going to play in Alabama, but Alabama didn't make the playoff last year. Mm, I'm yeah. sorry, they they yeah. hang on, they did second. not. They, no, they Correct. did not. Jesus, wow! I almost had to correct myself. But you know, you got Ohio State and Michigan come in there, and everyone talks about Michigan's performance. Let's not forget Ohio State was one point away from yeah. from pulling off a huge upset, and uh, and and they should have. So um, the Big Ten is, I think the the parity um, is there. Yeah, and sure. and then, and yeah, I love it. I love the fact that TCU didn't come in and lay an egg against Michigan, even though they beat Michigan. We threw two pick sixes in that game. We Michigan threw two pick sixes in that game. Anytime you throw two pick sixes in a playoff game, chances are you're going to lose. Um, so Michigan didn't choke. They just didn't have enough time. Yeah, that's fair. Dan, what about you? Yeah, man, we're at the point where we can stop talking about conferences and start talking about broadcast rights collectives. Like, you know, it's you almost shouldn't even break this break this down into conferences. It's almost like which ones are on Fox, which is which ones are on ESPN slash ABC slash which ones are on CBS. I mean, that's that's almost the way it shakes out. Is what's what's the best Fox team versus what's the best ESPN team? So why do broadcast rights collectives need divisions? Like it made sense to have divisions locally and when you were traveling there by train or whatever. But in the 21st century, I mean, divisions are great, historic rivalries are great, but the reality is this is a business. These guys are trying to generate as much revenue as they can. They're trying to push these teams as far as they can. They're trying to make the most compelling argument that they can, and and this going to be better for that. So what can you do? Yeah, I think it, it's going to get super interesting on how they actually schedule, you know, the games. Like I'm all for it. Like if they, if they, you know, get rid of conferences, but bring back, you know, the rivalries like the backyard brawl or, you know, Bedlam, as long as we keep that, the Red River rivalry, you know, Army Navy, for God's sakes, you know, like as long as those rivalries remain intact, I think everybody will be okay with changes of venue and changes of schedule. So long as they get some of those classics back. Because I think that's really one of the biggest problems with conference realignment. When people leave, then it's like, oh, man, like we love playing those guys because we played them in high school for four years and we get to play them in college for two or three years, maybe even four if we stay for that long. You know, so now it we're stripping away from from that aspect of it. But I think it, if the NC2A and the conferences kind of sit down and say, hey, look, we want to maintain as much conference integrity as we can. Inter, you know, we're not going to have divisional play, but we're going to have interconference play. And you will always play a team that you didn't play last year. So they just got to figure that out. There's all kinds of programs that do it. They do it for Pop Warner all the time to make sure that the seasons are balanced. So if they can do that in the divisions, I think it's not going to hurt anything. And like I said, if it creates space to bring in, you know, as much as, as much as the cupcake games are good for the cupcake team, if we get rid of the cupcake games and bring back some old school rivalries from like the mid nineties, early two thousands, I'm okay with it. You hear that Notre Dame? Don't make your two biggest football stories, Manti Teo on Untold and Rudy. All right, come back and play some real football. 
<laughs> fair point. Fair point. So we we kind of didn't know what we were going to talk about at first. We knew we were going to cover the coaching thing, but we weren't sure of how we were going to go. So we kind of pulled the audience. So we went out and hit up uh, everybody on the socials, and we were going to do a lightning round. So we're going to run down this as quickly as possible, and uh, we've got a bunch. We got a lot of feedback, and I was really yeah. pleased about it. So, yeah, I apologies, but I included a lot because I just thought it was cool that we pulled the audience and got a good response. So, yeah, I, I thought it was great. So, from the first club, we've got uh, best pregame meal. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> and and Greg got a Selly tossed these out, and these are very much uh, West Point stuff, <laughs> West Point <laughs> meals that you would eat for pregame. But he has turkey tetrazzini, beef stroganoff, barbecue ribs, McBurton, and uh, pizza pockets with. Uh, that one's are, easy. Pizza yeah. pockets. That yeah. one's easy. Yeah. That's a. What was dog. the first one he named off in MRE? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm confused. <laughs> I, man, turkey tetrazzini used to be one of those things that they would. It's like literal slop, and it would just be there on like a Thursday when you know you're coming back from practice, you're smoked, you know, probably swam like ten thousand yards that night, and. You know, the, the defect major is like, yo, come in here and have some of this good turkey tetrazzini. But, of course, he's from Alabama. So it's like, have some of this turkey tetrazzini. Yeah. Oh, God, I hope never again. Yeah, I, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Corey Ellich said, recruiting review players to watch in 2023 and offensive deep dive. And so for the recruiting piece, we don't really cover that. That's Sal's kind of – that's his territory. So if you really want to, to dive deep in there, I, I would recommend that you check out Sal Intonado because he covers – Vast majority of the Army recruiting in the offseason. Players to watch in 2023. I mean, uh, with the new offense, it's kind of like, oof, I don't know. Bryson like Daly on the quarterback yeah. keeper around the edge. I think you're yeah. going to see that quite a bit in the first two games. And then after that, I don't know. Uh, on defense, I think that's that's kind of an interesting story. And, uh, I, you know, they let's see what the nose tackle does on yeah. defense. I mean, because there's there's quite a few there's quite a few guys that are up and coming, but uh, nobody that's really a standout. You know, you've got Frey coming back, you've got a couple of guys in the defensive secretary that are coming back, but they were role players last year. So I think my response for players to watch in 2023: let's wait two games, and mm -hmm. I think then it'll kind of shake out on itself. And then the offensive deep dive, uh, James from Brigade Review has been watching probably more film than Peyton Manning in the last six months. <laughs> and so he's going to do a deep dive on the Army football show. We'll talk about that a lot deeper as well. But uh, definitely, I think I'm excited about the new offense. Like I watched a couple of videos early and then, you know, there's some that you can watch free on YouTube, which, co which coach Thatcher and uh, hey man, like it's still the triple option. It's just a different formula, mm. you know? And, right. I mean, like they literally run the exact same plays that I think the main thing is, is your responsibilities in your different skill positions are a little bit greater. So like running backs have to make sharper decisions. They can't just run into run to a spot on the field. They have to be able to respond to, you know, the stimulus that's there. So they're reading the defensive end or the linebacker just as a quarterback would. So yeah. if the quarterback pulls it, then that running back has a decision he has to make as far as who he blocks. My, versus yeah. the option. My perception is that they're going to try to make a, a real – asset out of the fact that they have smarter players good idea yeah i mean i i, I think i think it works and, and if you look at the offensive performance you know that coach had at his other school is just pretty pretty significant so we'll see uh james william pagano says should cody have won at wrestlemania should <laughs> cody rhodes have won wrestlemania look look man i can't tell you the last time i watched wrestlemania i'm a very very old guy so you know my currency on big time wrestling is nil but the only person that should win at WrestleMania is The Undertaker, and 
The only other one that I liked of best of all time was WrestleMania 15, Rock and Stone Cold. That is hands down the best WrestleMania main event ever. And that's all she ever. If you're a real wrestling nerd from back in the day, like the golden era, the dark side of the ring is one of the better Mm -hmm. reality TV shows or docu-series, as I guess you could call it. But man, I just watched the one on, uh, oh my goodness, I'm going to lose his name. Oh, the dude that played, uh, oh, now it's going to, he was supposed to have a big thing feud with uh, Hulk Hogan. Oh, the Adrian, the Adrian, the Adonis. That's what they called him. And he was yeah. like hooked up with the mob in the in in real life, but wore makeup in the ring to like get his gimmick over. And just a crazy story that those guys were the rock stars when there were rock stars still. Like they you, they some of those party stories are insane. Just watch the plane ride from hell, where Brock Lesnar and Mr. Perfect got into a fight thirty thousand feet in the air on the plane. <laughs> True story, really happened. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's a good show. All right, so speaking as the only actual wrestling fan, I will say Cody Rhodes definitely should have won at WrestleMania. He is uh, – I'm an AW fan, not so much a WWE fan, so I definitely would have taken the AW guy in Cody to win. Yeah, for sure. But he wasn't the best wrestler in his family. American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> Fact. Like he's pale, he's pale shadow to gold dust as well. So from the BW, and Brandon, he can do he that. Asked, really he's well. like, why does the NCAA hate accountability football? Therefore, also America. <laughs> I mean, wow. <sighs> that's, a, whew, that's a deep cut, folks. <laughs> and the reality of they it is, is, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's about They it's don't about hate us. I think, I think it legitimately it's just misunderstood. You know, and, and sadly, uh, when you have a broadcast, the bigger the broadcast, usually the, the less informed the commentators are. You know, yeah. it's very, very rare. That like when you watch a home army game or home navy game, the guys that habitually do it over and over again, they sell the teams very very well because they know them. You know, whereas like if I go to ESPN or some other channel or even the NFL Network, I'm gonna get a very gregarious, you know, play call and you know play by play and color commentary, but it's not gonna be down into the weeds like a Ross Tucker. You know, so I think that that's really the biggest difference when you know the teams travel. Were they on the NFL Network last year against Troy? Yeah, yes. I remember that that guy. He was real good. That color yeah. commentator. He was real good. But yeah. so cautiously optimistic for the, even even though we just published a hit piece on the uh, NFL Network. I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I, we need to I figure out know. a way to clone Gus Johnson's voice and just have him be the color commentator for every game because I love Gus Johnson. I'm sorry, I, I do. That's fair. <laughs> All right. So from the Patreon, we have uh, Dave Gray talking about the best and worst case scenarios of conflict football realignment. We talked about already, but again, I think we're going into the Big Five. You know. And I think it's going to turn into, you know, the the conference champions going straight in and then all the also Rams. Yeah. And, you know, as much as we would like to see college football balance out, I just I, I don't I don't know if it, it ever will, given broadcast and NIL money and everything else. But then the other part of it is, is will Army need to join a conference? If so, which one? And I think, you know, I'm going to reference you back to the, the conversation with Mike Buddy. I think he probably made the most compelling argument to stay or go. You know, I'm a big fan of maintaining independence uh, based off of the, the the Bobby Ross scheduling. You know, three teams that you can beat, three teams that you can go 50-50 with, three teams that you, you know, you possibly could lose to in your rivalry games, and that's your 12 se- you know, that's your 12-game season. So I think that helps Army in the long run. Again, it gets you to travel and get to see a lot more people. And from a recruiting perspective, the more open 
or the more games that Army plays like out of region and other places, the better off it's going to be. But for God's sakes, let's not fly to Hawaii because I just think that's a law period. Uh, so we've got Mike Twardy asked, you know, realignment in college football, same thing, old time rivalry, the pageantry is missing and I miss conferences. And I think we beat yeah. that. We're kicking we're, that dead horse now. <laughs> yeah. I th- but, Well, d- if I could say something, I don't think it's going back to where it was. And I think we need to enjoy football for what it is right now. Because yeah. I, I don't think we're getting any more uh, – football's not going to go backwards. It's not going to get rougher. It's not going to get flat. It, you know, it, it's it's going to evolve to fit the players because we've made it so player important now. And you either like college football or you talk about the good old days and don't watch it. But it, I don't, it's not going back there. It just – it can't. It's fair. Yeah, yeah. It's I think – yeah, I I think evolution is okay. You know, I mean, like protecting sure. the players. Like, look, everybody loves a great Ronnie Lott hit for those of you guys that are old enough, or Chuck Cecil hit, or Steve Atwater. Like, we all grew up watching those guys like destroy people. But guess what? Those guys are like in various states of of play as older gentlemen because of the way that they play football. So if we're trying to protect people so they can actually be viable contributors to society after they finish playing football then all the rule changes and everything else is good. Yeah. You know, the fact that these yeah. guys can make money, you know, that's always been a complaint. I think anybody that's paid attention to the NC2A is like, look, we understand that you're not a football vocational school, but you could play the players more. It's kind of working itself out. I think we're still in the early stages. I think somebody's going to get nabbed for doing some shenanigans at some point. And then yeah, it's it coming soon. Yeah, it, it'll change things. But right now, I, I, I think it's, I think it's legit, man. Like the fact that, you know, not to jump on the Coach Dion thing, but think about it. Coach Dion was able to move schools and then bring a whole bunch of talent with them and literally look kids in the face and be like, hey, man, you probably need to find another place to play because you ain't making the cut. Yeah. And at least he told yeah. them early enough. Like, And think on it, you know, everybody got upset when he did that. Like, oh, I can't believe he said that to those guys and kicked them out or whatever. But at the end of the day, he gave them a, their best opportunity to land at another team. You know, given the transfer portal and you don't have to sit out a year, Hey, I would much, much rather find out in January that I ain't going to be on the team than find it out in July, you know? Yeah. And for all the people that had a problem with it, he went into a defensive meeting room and they had a boombox playing and they didn't even stop the music. Boombox. There I go again. Hmm. Didn't even stop the music. And he said, I walk in there and they got music going and everybody's having a good time. And it's, what's up, man? What's going on? And I said, you guys always play music? You know, when a coach walks in and he goes, this is the defensive meeting room. This is the way we do things. That's a sickness. Okay. Colorado didn't always suck, but yeah. recently they have sucked. That's a sickness. Okay. When Cordell Stewart came into the big house, Michigan was afraid of that team and they won the whole game except for the last pass. But anyways, uh, Colorado used to be feared and yeah. Dion's not only trying to bring his magic in there. He's also trying to bring Colorado back to a state of prominence because they've become kind of a joke. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And again, impact NIL, we've talked about it, but again, I think, I, I think we really just don't know. And that was from Joey Odell. Like, sure. like Hey, what, what's going to happen? Bottom line is it's like, it's mad. You know, I think until somebody gets caught with their hand in the cookie jar and there's a huge drastic shift on the way that uh, NIL is handled. I, I, I think we're, we're seeing the best and the worst of it right now. You know, kids bouncing schools, guys signing contracts with, you know, local NASCAR racetrack or whatever. So from the, from the Twitterverse, Annie B asked about the mob. She's kind of joking, but she's not. She's like, offensive linemen are fascinating. 
One of her uh, really good friends was a center for the Arizona Cardinals and a concert violinist. One was a tackle and a wow. road scholar, spoke three languages and did oil painting like Bob Ross. You know, same with the army line. And she's just crazy about the hidden talents of the soul of the brotherhood. And her her son is also one of the O-linemen right now at, at army. So she's not what you would call an unbiased observer. Yeah. But when you really, when you really think about it, man, like, like, you know, I heard a joke once of people talk about historical figures and, and who would be in different positions. And the one guy was like, well, you know, I would have Benjamin Franklin be my center, you know, cause he's like an inventive and a super smart guy and he's able to make line calls and he's able to do all the things that a center can do, you know? And when you think about it, when you read historically of his personality and that kind of stuff, it's like, yeah, that kind of fits. And basically her comment as well is it's like those you know, those guys are definitely the unsung heroes on the offensive and defensive line of the ball or side of the ball. The linemen are critical to the success. Like if a running back is run loose in the wide open, it's because everybody around him pulled, played their part. You know, same thing yep. with defense. Like if you've got super stud linebacker, that means you got some super stud defensive linemen absorbing a ton of block. And mm-hmm. most people don't realize that because they may not watch the game in that fashion, you know? And so that that's just one of the things is just understanding that those are some super, super talented and all over the ball field. But like, if you really want to watch some great athletes get in and get after it every play, watch the offensive line. You don't have to mm-hmm. do it the whole game. Just watch them for a quarter, you know? And then you can kind of see the interaction between what's going on because there's guys making line calls. They're making adjustments yeah. to the plays. The quarterback. The like, pre-snap quarterback. Yeah. Oh, and the they center. have yeah, and they have to know all the plays that the quarterback knows because if he calls an audible, he has to know how to adjust his blocking scheme, and he's the center of the offense. You know, so yeah. true, true statement. Smart dudes. Uh, again, Michael Kufet said effective realignment on futures army is independent. We talked about that. Do we think any FCS teams are going to move up? I think the last one that popped up was uh, was ODU. Right, so we had Old Dominion and uh, James Madison. James Madison. James Madison came up but, last year, but they just made it so that you have to pay a five. I think it's five million dollars up from five thousand to go from FCS to FBS. Um, that's a lot of money to have on hand for a relatively small program. Yeah, I mean, think about sure. five million dollars. That's you know at least two and a half to three big time bowl payouts. Yeah, or and a five that- with six zeros behind it because it's also that. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I just wanted for to sure. add something. I'm sorry, you guys. But the reality of it is, it's like, yeah. Got my fancy know. pants on, Dan. Oh, I went to college <laughs> I today. I see that. Yeah. I see that. <laughs> but, That's but good. The other, but the other part of it is, is, like, as those teams move up, the opportunity to make that money back is there if you're good. You know, Dude, so like that's you, a lot of money to make back. You can also lose money at the FBS level. Like yeah. teams do it all the time. Very true. Very true. But like I'm saying, so like, again, with all the conference realignment, like if I run the AAC and get a halfway decent bowl game, like I'm sure probably, I'm probably, but I'm probably breaking even at that point. Right. You know, I mean, like, it would be interesting to look at UTSA's finances because this is, I think, going to be their ninth or 10th year as an FBS program. They're as good as they're going to get. They're very, you know, very good. Got an outside chance of winning the American this season. Like things are going pretty good at old UTSA, but financially, like how are they doing? No idea. Kind of an yeah. interesting question. Yeah, I think that would be something for some research. I guess we'd have to do that. And then uh, sidelines at West Point asked to do do a show on the Commander Classic. You know that we want to talk about that. Do we think Army and Air Force should be in a neutral site game? That would have been great if our Air Force dudes would ever show up for anything other than yeah, uh, for master's sure. degrees, master's degrees in transfer portal, but, and uh, omelets with vegetables and meat at the Chow Hall. <laughs> 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 but uh, I think the other piece of it is, is you know, 
other cities that we wouldn't want. Uh, cities that don't host Army Navy take on the Commander's Classic. And I think, honestly, you know, it goes back to, you know, what Dave said on the, the Navy show. Do we really care about Air Force? I mean, we do because they're on the schedule. And, yes, they are a rivalry. But, like, it's like you're fighting your little brother. I mean, that's what it boils down to every year when we play those guys. I, I'll be interested to see how they sell at Mile High Stadium, but I have a feeling it's not going to be particularly well. I mean, Air Force just doesn't seem to travel all that well. Yeah, certainly I, not as well as the Black Knights. Yeah, but you you would think that like that would be a good that's a that's a good test for them, right? You yeah, know, it is. You know, you've got a freaking professional football stadium for the next was next year, next two years maybe. I think for all their home games because they're redoing the stadium. So there's going to be a lot of games that may be played at the Mile High Stadium. So this will be a real, this, but this will be a real test to see, like, hey, look, can they put butts in seats? You know, if they do, all right, maybe there's some there's something to that. And then, of course, we got a comment on on Twitter from the the Blue and Gold report that, hey, you forgot to tag me. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't forget, big guy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like, we're not bringing it on this, bud. For these stadiums that are hosting uh, the service academies, get your license to sell alcohol if you don't for mm. that game. And it can be mm. done. Michigan's, mm. Michigan's AD went to high school with my dad, AD, before this one. Um, and he got he got the license to sell booze when the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Red Wings played because he knew no hockey fans are going to come when there's no beer. And uh, those tickets sold out almost instantly when they did the, huh. you know, the winter classic outdoor hockey game up here. You got yeah, they you can get beer at the big house, and you can't get beer at the big house um, w- when there's college sports going on. So that that does sell out when it happens. So I mean, mile high, I'm sure they're already selling beer. You can you can yeah. usually buy beer when Army is at a neutral site. So like if when they play in Yankee Stadium, Yankee Stadium sells yeah. beer. Commanders That's Classic, we got wrecked at the Commanders Classic. God Almighty, did we get wrecked? Like that was <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, so for sure. And then uh, not your attack armors are officer okay says army's coaching and offensive changes leading to different recruiting strategy anecdotally it seems like a lot higher uh quality wide receiver commits does that mean that uh you know our typical brand of smash mouth pound the ground on the clock football is going away and uh you know also in the tight end perspective you know and and we've talked about this and again we'll deep dive it on the army football show but the bottom line is like if you are a wide receiver getting recruited or tight end to army there's two things that you must be able to catch and block <laughs> like huh. period like that's it that's been a staple for army wide receivers for the last 30 years because when you have a running type offense whether it's in a pistol set or if it's coming out of wishbone or wing bone your wide receivers have to be able to put a helmet on the opposing player and drive them off. and i think yeah. that's that's the part that uh you can't teach athleticism you know guys either have it or they don't but what you can do is teach them technique for blocking and techniques for catching but yeah. like what you need is a gritty what like you need the Steve Largents of the world, you know, or the, the Julian Edelman's of the world, like guys that just want to go out there, get after their opponents and then catch the ball when it's thrown at them. I mean, that's, that's basically it. And I know I'm using some pro examples, but you know, that's, that's what makes a great wide receiver at Army. It's not just being able to catch yeah. like, Hey, yeah, everybody, sure. yeah. everybody in college football wants Marvin Harrison jr. On their team. Right so long as he blocks. And why does he block? Because his dad was Marvin Harrison, right? Like, hey, man, like, look, you don't just catch the football. You got to do all the other stuff oh. on those other plays that make the difference. Yeah, Marvin, Marvin Harrison Sr., he definitely he, – he stepped up in athleticism um, with the misses because his son's taller than he is. 
So, yeah, I sure. think that had something to do with it. He looked at her. I was like, okay, well, she's almost six feet tall. Maybe I should marry her. And uh, <laughs> you get a six foot four version of yourself out of it. Mm. That's what I'm praying for. My wife's almost as tall as I am. So, oh man, hope, I'm hoping the little guy's about here when he's done. <laughs> That's fair. That's let's fair. let's hope so. Yeah. Well, we were going to cover the transfer portal, but like right now, I would tell you the number one team in the transfer portal is LSU because I think something's going on down there with Brian Kelly. I mean, the kids like him, obviously. Uh, you beat Alabama and, and, and upset Tennessee. I mean, like, what they didn't upset that? Tennessee. Oh, it was close. It was close. It was not close. <laughs> Did you see the game? That game was not close. That's yeah. not what a close game looks like. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is. <laughs> The kids are feeling it down there. Whatever's going on, and and obviously word word is traveling. So you know, yeah, LSU, yeah. LSU's got people coming in. Colorado's got people coming in because of Coach Dion. I think everybody thinks that USC is going to hang their shingle and win something because Lincoln Riley obviously he had two Heisman Trophy winners come out of Oklahoma, and then he's got a third one now with uh, Caleb, uh, Williams. Caleb, Caleb Williams, right? So like he can coach quarterbacks, but again, hey man, if you're moving to the Big Ten, note to self. All you guys that are trying to slip into the Big Ten, start. You cannot play Pac-12 defense. Like, dude, you got teams like Ohio State will hang 100 on you if you play defense the way that you play defense. You know, Michigan yep. will score 70 points, and they will run it down your throat and embarrass you. So you will not want to have any parts of those games. Uh, rounding, out, rounding out the top ten, you got Florida State, Auburn, Old Miss, Miami, Oregon, Oklahoma, and UCLA. Surprisingly, the team that you don't see on here is Texas A&M. So it goes back to the previous discussion about, hey, what is going on at A&M that players yeah. don't want to transfer in or out? You know, there's something going on. Like, obviously, they're not transferring out because there's a big old pile of NIL money, but they're not transferring in, which sure. does not help Jimbo Fish's yeah. chances at all. But, wow, man, that was a full show. We covered a lot <laughs> yeah, of ground, folks. But, uh, hey, look. Hopefully this will satiate your thirst until uh, we do the next one. This is the College Football Roundtable. I'm your host, Rob, the Angry Colonel, coming out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. We got Trigger Joe out of the home of the big house and Dano Ikebesa calling out of coastal Connecticut. And we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for joining us tonight, those of you that popped in and uh, those that uh, gave us some feedback on the socials. We appreciate that. And keep tuning in. We'll keep making them. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Beat Navy. Beat them. Thanks for listening to the Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. Tune in next week as the AFF team brings you more hot takes and college football analysis. We'd like to thank our sponsor, BuyerBarn.com. BuyerBarn.com is the world's first platform to perform online auctions and sales for farm animals. BuyerBarn.com is dedicated to helping small farmers in America and are extending a special discount to military veterans who want to help in the revolution of the family farm. Go to BuyerBarn.com forward slash military. That's BuyerBarn.com, B-Y-R-E-B-A-R-N.com to learn more and to get started or email them at info at BuyerBarn.com. Thanks again for listening to Ask for Football, College Football Roundtable, and as always, Beat Navy.